Welcome to Fundamentally Drained Podcast with your hosts, Father Everett Lees, Father Tom Dahlman, and Justin Dixon. Three Christians exploring Christianity from a perspective other than the fundamental view from which we have become fundamentally drained. We'll begin the conversation, and you take it from there. Today we will talk about the subject of lukewarm mainliners. And um, so I don't even have a joke for that. (laughs) So let's talk about lukewarm first. I'm sure everybody understands what that means. Um, But mainliners. So mainliners, um, you know, I've I've often, I use this and I know that it, uh, who it represents mostly. So let's talk about this. So this is Episcopal Anglican. Who are other mainliners uh, denominations? Presbyterians, Methodists, Lutherans. And why are they called mainliners? Well, uh, I do not know the history of mainline, um, but I think it was a way of sort of designating it, um, uh, differentiating it from sort of um, maybe like evangelical or independent churches. Is there, yeah, and that's what I was kind of thinking too. I'm wondering since it was, you know, there was Catholic Well, you know, I guess, I guess that's the line. I'm looking at that. I'm, I'm envisioning that chart in my head. But off of the, the main line of Catholic came uh, Anglican, Lutheran, Method, something like that. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So, Tom? in the 20s, when they were debating between fundamentalists and modern, so-called modernists, mm-hmm. um, the term mainline came about the fundamentalists um i can't remember if it was a label the fundamentalists gave the so-called modernist thinkers or if it was a term they gave themselves but it was just reflecting um traditionally the more educated uh and affluent folks were members of these churches. If they were members of churches, they were members of these churches. You know, the whole idea of a wasp, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, Protestant mm-hmm. um, which is, it's a weird, it's an interesting term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so... Um, now let's I, talk about go ahead i think today it means if you say mainline churches you're saying it's kind of code word for less emotional more organized so-called dignified worship mm-hmm. that might be a a way to uh an evangelical would be more mm-hmm. um free-floating uh emotional or charismatic, charismatic, you right. know, that's, and that's not a fair, I'm just, that's my understanding of it. That makes sense to me. Cause I think of non-Catholic, non-evangelical as mainliners. That's the way right. I would think and, about it. And the Catholic church is kind of, has been always considered, I mean, I've seen it in lists as considered part of the mainline churches. It but, is. Okay. I didn't know for some reason. That depends on the that yeah. depends on the list. 
Yeah, I was kind of thinking that Catholic always stands outside of that. Um, right. Um, because I know it's not, you know, the Protestant, but I thought mainline and evangelical were Protestant uh, labels, if you will. So, all right, I think we've beat that one to death. <laughs> so why lukewarm uh, mainliner. So let's let's uh, let's have Everett crack the lid on this. Uh, in our, I think episode three of Heaven and Hell. At the end of it, there was a little fire came out about lukewarm <laughs> mainliners. And so Everett, get after it, dude. Let's talk about it. <laughs> you got a floppy Bible? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> So, uh, you know, I, this episode is going to get more listens than we want it to. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Everett. Sorry. Tom's just going to let me uh, shoot my career in, in, in the foot and just stay silent. <laughs> I'm just going to wrap what? it up with grace. I never, so I never do feel that. bad. <laughs> so, ahead. you know, I think, I think we do a really... I think mainline churches spend a lot of time and a lot of energy critical of evangelical uh, fundamentalist religious traditions. You know, and I'd even say that I think there's a um, a certain criticism of 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 like the Roman Catholic tradition. Um, and I don't know how much time we actually spend thinking about our own approaches to faith. And what we might consider that we need to address. And I think there's this just really human instinct to compare ourselves against others. And as long as we feel better about somebody, mm. well, I think then, then we think we're okay. Um, and, and, and so I think a lot of mainliners kind of rest on our laurels of, well, at least we're not like those, and so we're a little bit like the, the 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 story of the Pharisee and and the tax collector, where we're like, well, I'm so thankful that I'm not like you know that evangelical church over there or whatever, rather than looking inside of ourselves and saying, where, you know, where have we gone, um, you know, where where have we gone astray? Where, where, where do we, where do we need to change? Right. And this is coming from three white guys who have a podcast where we talk about what's wrong with fundamentalism. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I agree with everything you're saying, but, uh, we're, <laughs> I was thinking that as soon as he started talking. <laughs> oh, and I, I, I completely agree with you. And I have honestly thought for, <clears throat> I mean, this is, this is year four of this, right? And in is year it? two, I've thought, I'm like, we probably should change the name of the podcast. <laughs> but it's so catchy, um, <laughs> you know, because, because it is, it does point out a specific fact and I think it is something that because there are people who are listening that have listened from episode one, I feel like it is it is a sense of like just for just like for me, I I um, 
needed to be heard, not not literally as in I'm a host of this podcast, but um, I need to hear other people's instances of my experience out there that was not good. And that's important, right? That's important from hearing whether it be um, having to do with, with uh, uh, sorry, I'm going to break up on, uh, but you know, race issues or whatever it is, people want to be heard, right? And so um, I think that's an important piece. But then um, for this and, and taking away, um, just specifically talking about this, I agree. I agree that we need to come together and not separate us as, oh, the evangelicals are this and they're, you know, um, they are not this. Because one thing that, um, and I'll give it a good example of Episcopal Church is one thing that people like to say is you don't have to check your brain at the door. Um, and if you've never heard that, it's it's a thing that floats around. And, and I've always like, you know, I remember going, oh, yeah, that's a good point. You can't, you don't. We, we have reason and we sit down and we think through things and we're not just blindly following. And when um, ever you started talking about, or I guess, uh, excuse me, uh, Tom, when you started talking about the modernist thinkers back in the 20s, 1920s and, and stuff, that, that kind of came to mind. It was like, we want to be seen as smarter. You know, but in reality, um, it's like I, I think that hinders us uh, because it's something to where um, faith can be. You know, you can overthink <laughs> in some ways. That sounds terrible. I'm we're trying back. to compliment ourselves, but we're really insulting everyone else. Yeah, there you go. That's good. That's good. Yeah. All right. Other thoughts. Well, and, you know, um, so I recently read a, a book um, by um, Esau McCauley, who wrote uh, his book is Reading While Black, um, and it's sort of um, a hermeneutic um, of the, the black American church. And it's just a, a fantastic book. Um, there's probably a really there, there is a really great synopsis of it on a, a Bible project Um podcast where they they interview and they talk to him and you know one of the things hmm. that 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 he notes is is that and, 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 and you know this is broadly speaking but but you know the, the 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 black church has a fire for both social justice and for the the centrality of the truth of God who has been revealed in Jesus Christ. And, and, and I feel like particularly in, in, in our context, we, we have churches that either, um, are really on fire for the gospel, bringing people to Christ. And then when it comes to, social justice we sort of muffle or we're really on fire for social justice but when we talk about the centrality of christ suddenly we become well you know there's many ways and many paths and we're not really sure what that you know i am the way the life and the truth really means and you know and 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 so i think for whatever reason in the mainline church we have created a divergence between the social gospel and Jesus Christ as Lord and a Savior. 
Um, yeah. To our detriment. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we have, um, I, you know, I, I, I have the question. I, I really, and don't answer this, but I want to know some of these uh, churches that are in our Episcopal realm who are uh, focused around the centrality of Christ. <laughs> so we'll talk off air for that one. <laughs> but um, I really do. But um, I feel like um, that the Episcopal Church in many forms, and this doesn't cannot be an, a, a blanket statement, but are more focused around being social justice warriors Um more so than Christ following social justice warriors. Um, and, and, and you know what? People can pick that apart all day long, and that's perfectly fine because it's what I see and hear and, and think about. Um, and so my um, thoughts as a <clears throat> teacher and a minister is, is to tie those two together because in, and, and I'll just tell you one of my fears in the social justice world, there's no, um, sorry, in the social justice warrior, because I have to tag that warrior piece on it, there's nothing wrong with uh, figuratively executing an individual. Cancel culture. Um, not giving people second chances. Um, I mean, when we're all about forgiveness. And if you walk down that road and simply Jesus is not there, then you can go that far. And, um, and, and there's lots of things to hear when I say those things, but hopefully that just kind of the, the general statement kind of makes sense. And that concerns me um, because all people are children of God. And um, that is going down that road of the cancel culture world of, of you're out, you know, whatever it is. And, and I know that's a cultural thing or whatever. Um, but that concerns me when it gets involved within Christianity. I agree, but I want to say, I don't want to make this about politics, but the right invented cancel culture. They've forgotten that. Um, mm. Ever hear the Dixie Chicks mm-hmm. or Rob Bell? Mm-hmm. Um, so both sides are pretty good at canceling. Right, right. And I, and we are, we, we should be, uh, looking for, you're right. I mean, we have to be about forgiveness. Can I read you guys what Christianity Today, how Christianity Today, the magazine, defines mainline Protestants? Yeah, yeah go for it. Right. It says mainline Protestantism, consisting of the Congregational, Presbyterian, and Episcopal denominations, used to be a dominant force in American life, both in terms of church membership figures, and cultural prestige. Since the mid-20th century, however, the mainline has increasingly jettisoned traditional Christian teachings in favor of social activism, Hmm. with the consequence that both membership figures and cultural prestige have undergone a precipitous decline. Today, mainline denominations are frequently riven by conflict between progressive and traditionalist factions. And that's probably enough. Hmm. Um, but I think the whole problem in that paragraph, and it's true, is the term cultural prestige. I think we've been too concerned about that. Hmm. And uh, if, 
if if that's our focus, it's going to drive our behavior. But if we are focused on, say, the mission the prayer book sets out for us, um, it's going to change our the way we operate to restore all people to unity with God and each other creation, I think, through Jesus Christ. Um, anyway. That was good. And, and, and I think in term, I mean, and, and this is where I think the cultural prestige thing really comes into play for mainline churches <clears throat> because, um, you know, every three years, the Episcopal church gathers in a, in a general convention and we act like people really care about the things that, that we think about. Mm. And, 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 and I will say the average Episcopalian doesn't even know what general convention passes, much less the outside world. Yeah. And, and, and we sit there and, and we pat ourselves on our back because, well, we, we passed this resolution dealing with uh, the Middle East peace issues and, and by God, you know, we're going to, we're going to solve this, you know, no one else can do it, but the Episcopal you know, general convention is going to solve Middle East, um, tensions between Palestinians and, 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 and Israel. Um, you know, we, 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 we talk about race and, and, and yet our, our predominant model of, um, our predominant model of race outreach is by having a black church in town or a Hispanic church in town. And let, I mean, let's just, let's, let's just name that. I mean, you know, we, we, Victory Christian in Tulsa does a heck of a lot better job in terms of integration of races and tongues and nations than, you know, most mainline churches. Hmm. Yeah. That's good, man. That's good. Um, <clears throat> I um, I wonder about what you're you're you said too about. It's hard. It's hard to not do things that you think and know are right with, and thinking they are bigger things um, than they are. You know, we were talking on a conversation <clears throat> I had with a group I'm part of, a sacred ground group that has kind of gone further than that, which was a, uh, to best explain it, it was an anti-racism training and that kind of enfolds it. But we continued on and read a book and so on and just continue conversations. And, and the conversation got into talking about language within the church. And, and, um, you know, someone said, does, does the black community even care about what language a white Episcopal church in the suburbs uses? And, I, and I'm only saying that because, uh, and, and I'm, excuse me, I'm paraphrasing that. It was completely different and so on, but that was the idea. And, um, and for many people, that may be something that's very, very important, but what is it doing? And, and that's a hard conversation to have because it, we don't know. We don't always know. Um, but to get not get away from the lukewarmness is... Everett, it sounds like you're saying that sometimes we are going down wrong roads that we shouldn't be um, thinking that it is valid 
in our culture, in our world, um, and gives prestige and things like that. When in reality, it doesn't mean squat. Is that? <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, I'll go. I, I, I don't mean to dominate, but I'll, I mean, I'll go back. And I know I've used this example before, but um, Rachel Held Evans in her her book on on when she's discussing scripture talks about how in the mainline church. Um, resurrection is an optional thing. We can spiritualize it. Mm. And, and, and we tend to spiritualize things rather than to say that this is the way the world now works because we have the option to do that. And, 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 and I think we have to look at some of those assumptions and while we're creating false dichotomies, what do you mean by this is how the world works? Explain that. So if, if you know, if, if Jesus really rose from the dead mm-hmm. and triumphed over uh, those who seek the ways of, of, of violence and retribution, you know, that's a very, that's a way more different story than, well, after the world did its very worst to a person, you know, at 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 least we can, you know, gather in his name. Hmm. Tom, other thoughts? Um <laughs> Yes. It's I a mean, hard conversation. We've already, said, we've already said everything that I think that when I think the Oxford movement might be something to look to for inspiration. Uh-huh. Uh, and to me, the magic phrase that came out of the Oxford movement was they combined Catholic discipline with, mm. uh, I think it was evangelical um, spirit or fervor, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. But the idea is that the church, there are many institutions and nonprofits that do social activism much better than we do. And when we forget our reason for being, um, it's, that's what causes the membership decline. Hmm. Like, why would I, why am I doing social activism with this group when this nonprofit is doing it a lot better? And our reason for being together is faith is, you know, Jesus and the creeds and the prayer book and all that. And so we have to, in the midst of our work, we can't forget why we're why we're here. When I when I joined the Episcopal Church, I don't know the first year or two of my life in the church was the strongest I ever felt. Even though I had come off, I was having a lot of doubt, and I was coming off of a long, you know, period of I I might have called myself agnostic when I joined. If I look back on it, this is the strongest. My this is a time when my faith was the strongest. I felt the most convicted, 
to act and moved by worship because that was a point when I had all that evangelical commitment and zeal and mm. fervor that I had inherited from my childhood right. Right. combined with all this new Catholic discipline I was learning. Mm. But then over time, as I, you can't, you got to have both sides of diluted, the, right? You got, diluted. yeah, you got to have both sides of the equation. All right. You have to, uh, you can't, and I feel like our presiding bishop, Michael Curry, is good for us. Mm-hmm. He, he roots his, his beliefs about what we should be doing in the world in Jesus. And we need to do a better job of that. We need to follow his example. I agree. I agree, and I'm glad you flipped it, turned it, uh, turned us that direction, because I, you know, I, um, where I came from, I did not come from, um, I did not come into the church the same way you did, um, but it, this church built that along with, I guess, in reality, I did have, um, I would say, the discipline. Um, I would say um, that you get coming from out of a Baptist church. Um, you know, I remember Mother Kirsten saying, you know, Baptists make the best Episcopalians, <laughs> you know, and not not just talking about me, um, but others as well. And um, and and I, when you said the discipline part, which you were referring to Catholic. Uh, maybe the fervor of evangelicals or something like that. But when you take and combine uh, the best parts, you know, it goes back to that book by McLaren, that generous orthodoxy, where you look at the best parts of each denomination and pull them together. We don't have to stand at arm's length away from other denominations and say, oh, well, this is that. And in a lot of cases, that's what's happening. And that's what's happening with this whole cancel culture that we've labeled cancel culture. It was happening way before it ever had that label. What's happening is is there are um, non-negotiable things that are going on. When you try to treat the LGBTQ community in some kind of program to make them straight, sorry, there you go, to make them straight, that's not negotiable. And that's what has happened in this. And I have nothing to say about how to, uh, what do you say, make peace in that. I don't even know what to say. I don't even feel like I've, <laughs> so I don't know where to go well, with and, that. And I think, I mean, I just want to say this about cancel culture is, is that there is a major difference between holding somebody accountable um, and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um I mean, it's hard. It's hard to, to discuss it without really getting political. But You're right, right. Um, which I mean, let's just say it. Like, you know, um, Senator from Missouri, Josh Hawley, you know, lost his uh, a, a book deal, and so now he's a victim of can- well, that's that's not cancel culture. Um, you know, cancel culture in my mind is more like sort of an online bullying right. mob. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 I think that that holding people accountable is an important thing, but so is grace and redemption. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a Supreme Court justice who said, "I don't know what pornography is, but I know it when I see it." 
And I think that's the same thing with cancel culture. It's hard. It's hard to define, and it's really easy to co-opt it just then to say, "Well, I'm being held accountable, so and I don't want that to happen, so I'm just going to call it cancel culture." Right. Which is not. Yeah. So there's there's hesitancy in when you look at someone who you disagree with to say what are their good parts. Right. And, and I say them and, and I'm meaning like a denomination or something like that. So the idea of combining and say, hey, let's be a little more like the evangelicals or something like that. It's like, wait a second. We can't do that. They insert something here. Um, and and that's not <laughs> how it should be done, I would say. Um, yeah. So I think, um, you know, I think coming to this, uh, a couple of notes I wrote down was for Episcopalians specifically, cause I can't say about other people, but we need a revival oddly enough, <laughs> which is a word I didn't think I would use, but we really do. Um, because when it comes down to it, this is on our leaders and teachers. Um, and because our denomination is being led somewhere that we were led here. It's not like everyone just automatically, you know, zombied and moved in this direction. And so it is upon us and leaders to reclaim, revive, whatever this and, and, and move on and, and move into something else and kind of, um, I don't know. I don't know what to say from there. I mean, faith is, like Tom said, is is very important in this. And I appreciate, Tom, what you said about you know, the faith and the BCP and Jesus being a part of the Episcopal Church, that's a very important part. But I think adapting, adopting other denominations and their strengths, strengths, um, it will be very important in getting past lukewarmness. <laughs> yeah. All right. Final thoughts, Everett? No. What do we do? Anything else to add to what do we do? Tom? Well, <clears throat> I think if we find ourselves listening to this and we're all we, all our faith amounts to is just some um, social activism, maybe we should find <laughs> some kind of devotional practice or to nurture that other side of us and i think if we're listening to this and our faith amounts to just devotional practice we should find a some kind of outreach in the world that helps people i mean i would encourage all of us to pray the daily office or at least a part of it and i would but if that doesn't work for you, then find some other devotional practice. Um, and all of us have kind of a different language of faith that's natural to us coming where I came from. Mm -hmm. I still, uh, just because of my childhood, for me, hearing a bunch of people singing mm. uh, Christian songs a cappella still 
is kind of my my faith language. It doesn't matter if it it could be chant or uh, you know hymns or other things, but um, you, we have to nurture our soul and our outreach into the world at the same time. I would say it's it's uh, you know if if you if you find I'm yourself speaking to myself. But yeah, I was going to say, and if you find yourself in this, you're not alone. Yeah, <laughs> we've all find ourselves in this, and I mean that's that's uh, and again that's what's funny going back to the word revival. It is it is something that Luke, uh, being lukewarm, is not something that just is a light switch, and so um, so we're all in this together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. So good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that, you know, we can find the best parts of each denomination so that we can continue to um, strengthen our faith and our uh, involvement in the world. May the peace of the Lord be always with you. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at at fun drain pod we'd love to hear your comments on our episodes and also suggest future episode topics also if you enjoy what we're doing go on to itunes and give us a review please thanks a lot